What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hit it! We have got a mission to fulfill, and the mission is very simple. Detox and educate the stoned and stupid. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. all your hard work. Joe and I are inspired by this new generation of leadership. Stop tape. I speak radical ease. I've been working on it now for a couple of decades. It's a difficult language to learn, but sometimes uh, these radicals make it easier on you than other radicals, uh, like Nancy Pelosi. And in this case, Kamala, Kamala, whatever, radical, Harris, is easy. She's an open book. Because all she cares about is raw power. Let's face it, that's why she's in politics. She cares about getting her mug on television. She cares about the fame, the fortune, and the power. And so her message now to millennials and Generation Z is, keep it up. We're with you. We're right there in Portland with you. We're right there in Kenosha, Wisconsin with you. We were part of the rallies and the, and the protests, peaceful, and the rioting in Los Angeles and other urban areas of a couple of months ago. We're with you. This is effectively what she's saying. This is a message to millennials and Generation Z, the younger voters out there. The heck with everybody else. Their message is to the younger voters because they know Joe and Kamala, Kamala, Radical, whatever, Harris, they know that their electoral future hinges on these radicals in the streets of Portland and tearing up Kenosha, Wisconsin right now and soon to be a city near you where this anarchy breaks out and they're celebrating it. They're cheering them on. Because they want to be on their side so they can get their vote. The, the, the problem is there's a disconnect with these radicals. And I'm not saying by any, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all millennials are radicals, and I'm not saying all Generation Z are anarchists in the street. It's not what I'm saying. But as a whole, you know, young people, we all went through this stage. I did it in my 20s, right? I was a Ronald Reagan supporter late 
in my 20s. Early in my 20s, I, I kind of listened to everybody else and I said, hmm, oh, he's a warmonger and I kind of digest that. But then I looked and I saw what actually was happening and they called him stupid, Ronald Reagan. And then I looked and I saw his policies on the economy in particular and how when we graduated from college in the 1980s, we didn't have any problem finding a job. There was no Barack Obama effect. And so in, in my life, uh, I was a little bit late to the table in supporting Ronald Reagan. But now, of course, I believe that he was one of the greatest uh, presidents of all time. Young people have a rebellious streak in them. And Kamala, Kamala and Joe, Sloppy Joe, are trying to connect with this rebellious streak. The problem is, will these rebels, if you will, go to the polls? And so this is why Kamala, Kamala Harris, is out there trying to deliver this message. All smiles, all happy, all, hey, we're all in this together kind of thing. But we need you to go to the polls. <laughs> we need you to open up your mail. See, this is the problem with the Gen Z and, and uh, my daughter's generation millennials, right? They don't even do mail. And so this is the problem for this scheme to hijack the election by the modern Democrat Party, the all mail in vote. It's wonderful for older people. Yeah, people in their 60s and 70s, they grew up on the mail, right? They didn't have email when these people were in their 20s, right? People in their 30s and 40s, kind of the transitional generation, but they still do the mail. But the younger generation, the Generation Z and the millennial generation, they don't even go to get their mail. They don't even do mail. That's not how they communicate. They don't sit down and write a letter. They text or they Snapchat, whatever that is. I still don't know exactly what Snapchat is. I know that there's some nefarious things going on with Snapchat. I'm sure it's 99% purest driven snow. But the bottom line is Harris and Biden, you know, for that matter... Of course, President Trump and Pence, they're in the same position. They certainly would love the young vote. But when you go to an all-mail-in system and you have two key generations, the Z and the millennials, who don't do mail, they, they barely do email. I mean, I send my daughter an email. She's 25. I send my daughter an email. I, I just pray and I say, will you please read it? I know she'll read a text, but, you know, you can't. Some things you can't. Send via text, right? And forget about sending her a letter. If I send her a letter, then I got to text her and email her, have a phone conversation and an eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball conversation saying, hey, I sent you a letter. It's important that you actually get the mail. So think about this, Gavin Newsom. You have a problem. Andrew Cuomo, Pritzker in Illinois, uh, Whitmer in Michigan, uh, Wolf in Pennsylvania. You have this genius scheme to hijack the election by sending out all these ballots via mail. And we know there's fraudulent ballots going to be sent out there by the hundreds of thousands. And in California, probably in the millions, right? The problem is you have this younger generation, the so-called gig generation, if we lump those two together, um, that doesn't do mail. And the bigger challenge for this generation, for for the conservatives trying to reach out to this generation, not for Kamala Harris and for Joe Biden, but for me. And when I talk to candidates running for Congress, 
or school board or whatever. I tell them you have a two-pronged attach, attack when you are trying to get votes from younger people and sometimes older people as well. But in particular, the non-male generation. Uh, and that is largely we're producing these generations of stoned and stupid. They're stoned and stupid. Too many in California, too many in these states that have liberalized uh, marijuana. It's the perfect storm, right? If you don't educate children in school about the United States Constitution, they are ignorant about the founding of this republic and what makes this republic tick and why it's so important to have liberty. My daughter asked me not too long ago, what is freedom? It's an interesting question, right? I answered the way I thought she would understand, but I don't think she did. And that is, we are born with certain unalienable rights to be free. And she says, again, what is freedom, Dad? I said, well, in this country, it's freedom of choice, freedom to be whoever you want to be. The opposite of a caste system. And I gave her some examples that if you're born into a caste system in this, in this world today, which still exists all over the globe, if your family is a taxi cab driving family, you're stuck being a taxi cab driver and the generations in the future are stuck being it. That's not the way it is in America, right? If you want to be a taxi cab driver and that's what you want to be, fine, wonderful. You have the freedom to do it. If you want to grow up and be Donald Trump, the next Donald Trump, you have the freedom to go and attempt to do it. That is freedom. But the fact that I had to explain that to her in a household that she was raised in, where I've the foundation of, of her life is, is the Constitution and conservative principles, although she doesn't always act like it. But again, that's the rebellious side. That's the millennial. That's the 20s side of her. But the fact that she was asking me means that we, I, as a parent, and certainly the educational system failed to a certain degree. Now, I'm not saying I failed 100%, but obviously there's some gaps in her educational system. So I, I pushed her even further. What is it? What is it about your generation that makes you tick? Again, you know, I went to the Stone Age, and I said, when I was your age, if I was out of a job like a large chunk of your generation is right now, I'd be going nuts. And effectively, uh, I have worked uh, from an internship in the 80s straight through to today. And it seems as though my daughter's generation, millennials, and these Generation Z aren't in a panic. They don't seem like they're worried. And I suppose to a certain degree that's a virtue, but I think the other side of it is it's too easy. We've made it too easy on them. And we is the government now, not me. I think that more of the Generation Zs and millennials should go to the school of hard knocks. And I was digging through my daughter's stuff the other day, and darn if I didn't find... I, I didn't know this happened. I, maybe I wasn't paying attention 15 years ago. A participation trophy <laughs> for softball. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So we've made it too easy on this generation, right? Now they're not working, yet they get paid more or as much as if they were mark working. 
That's insanity. It's not the way any kind of society should function. So this generation is lost, certainly constitutionally. What makes this generation tick, Kamala Harris? She doesn't know. But my daughter gave me a little insight. And that is they're, they're kind of searching for what makes them tick. They're, they're behind the curve. They may not figure it out, if you will, until they're in their 30s. And that's late in the game. It's not the end of the world. But we as a society and we as parents did something to these two generations to screw them up. There's no doubt about it. And among the things I know was done overall, not 100%, but I would say probably in the 80th, 90th percentile, is not teaching the United States Constitution and not teaching about liberty. And my daughter alluded to this, that she wasn't taught enough about economics and the meaning of economics and the free market system. And I, I take the blame for that one, for sure, uh, because I know the schools are not going to teach that. And so that's a gap that I got to fill. And I want to go talk to her and, and fill it some more. I, you know, without getting into an argument, it's difficult to do sometimes. But this is my point, that Kamala doesn't care. She's, she's pandering for these young voters. Conservatives and Republicans, and to me there's a big difference. Uh, I happen to be a registered Republican because it's the closest thing in terms of party affiliation, and the one that is the most adroit, if you will, politically speaking, um, that matches up with what I do and what I think and my conservative values. But I would truly rather have a conservative party. If it, if it ever got traction, I would be on board. But Kamala doesn't care. She's pandering for the votes. We, as conservatives, have got to understand that we have to detox and educate the stoned and stupid. And I know that that's an oversimplification because these kids, these Generation Z and Millennials are not stupid per se, but they are uneducated in some serious areas that need to be filled. And so these candidates out there that are running for Congress are dog catcher. I don't care. They've got to, they've got to do two things. One, they've got to educate and the other, they've got to try and get the vote. And that's a tough, tough thing to do. Because these people rioting in the streets and, and, and supporting black... Forget about the rioters. They're in their own league. Let's not even include them in the overall mix of millennials and Generation Z. Let's just talk about these young-minded people who are supporting Black Lives Matter. They haven't taken the time to really understand... That that's a, an offensive phrase, number one. It should be completely offensive to any American because it is exclusionary, right? In, in, in the Bible and in the Declaration of Independence, it says without saying, all lives matter. All lives matter. So to come out and say one group of people, lives matter, excludes the rest and that is wrong from a biblical perspective and from a founding document perspective so these young people supporting black lives matter and these are antifa whatever but black lives matter is more quote mainstream right heck it's on the parquet floor at the nba right 
Uh, they need to be educated about Black Lives Matter. They need to be educated about what I just said. That it is an. Ex- it sounds great, right? It sounds so hip. It sounds so well. I care, but you, but you don't care. You are not listening to the founding principles of this republic by adhering to a exclusionary phrase like Black Lives Matter. So our job is to educate the uneducated about Black Lives Matter and about marching in the streets on behalf of Black Lives Matter and about supporting the National Basketball Association with these overpaid idiots wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts and why you should reject it. And why you should reject disrespecting the national anthem and the flag at the beginning of a baseball game or a football game. Why is that so repulsive? It's not a matter of us versus them. It should be a matter of all of us together. And these you know, these young baseball players are young, right? They're millennials too. They haven't been educated. They were given a video game at dinner by their parents. Here, play this video game. Instead of talking to Johnny, who later becomes a player for the San Francisco Giants and takes a knee during the national anthem, instead of talking to Johnny about the free market system, the capitalist system, what makes this country great, our founding fathers, our founding documents, why the stars and stripes needs to be respected, why you should respect your national anthem, And what it all means and glue it all together. Instead of doing that, this generation of parents gave Johnny, the soon-to-be baseball player, a video game to play. And so now we're dealing with the consequences. Stoned and stupid. And the reason why I throw stoned in there is the great example is California, but there are other states on this, you know, Colorado, on the slow march to legalizing all drugs, right? Isn't that where we're headed? When you legalize marijuana, it's a gateway drug. Don't, please don't send me nasty emails. You may enjoy your legalized marijuana. That's fine. If you're not bothering anybody, I don't really care. But don't tell me it is not a gateway drug to other illicit drugs. It is. But even if it's not, let's stipulate it's not. You're out there stoned all the time and not educated. That's a perfect storm for Gavin Newsom to do what he's doing in California right now. And that is crushing the constitutional rights of his people. Absolutely crushing the freedoms and the liberties that my daughter needed me to explain. It's perfect. And now on the ballot in California is an effort to repeal Proposition 13. If you don't know, you live in Michigan and you don't know what Prop 13 is, you better learn because they're going to be coming after you the same way. Proposition 13, I remember my grandfather talking about Proposition 13 and how excited he was. Uh, Jarvis Gann, I think, was the, the name behind it. It was on the ballot. It passed. Proposition 13 effectively froze uh, property taxes if you own your home and you stayed in your home. In other words, the county in which you live couldn't keep raising your property taxes every year 
until you sold that home. That was the stipulation of Prop 13. So if you stayed in your home and then if you willed your home to your, your children or your grandchildren and they didn't sell it, as long as you didn't sell it, it didn't trigger a taxable event. So they couldn't increase your property taxes. And so some people in California, you know, their neighbors are, are paying uh, $20,000, $30,000 a year property taxes. But they've been in their home since the 1970s and they're paying $300. That's the truth. This is Prop 13. Ah, but on the ballot in California for November is Prop 13. 13. They've disguised it as Proposition 15, I think it is. And they're, they're talking about how if this portion of Prop 13 is repealed, they'll be able to build parks and they'll be able to do some road improvement and they'll be able to fund schools and blah, blah, blah. They're, just, they're disguising it, right? But what it is, is the commercial side. There were two sides to Prop 13, the commercial side and the residential side. This Prop 15 on the ballot in November would effectively repeal the commercial side of Proposition 13. If that happens, think about it. Apartments, high-rises are commercial buildings. Mixed-use are commercial buildings. What's going to happen? Well, the landlords are going to see their property taxes skyrocket, right? The, The owners, if you will. Landlords, if they lease out their space in a high rise or if it's a storefront or whatever. And so what's going to happen to that grocery store that leases that space on on the corner in that in that building? Well, because the property taxes are going to go up, of course, that cost is going to be passed on to the person leasing that corner grocery store and the corner grocery store is going to pay more for his or her lease. And so what happens then? Well, that corner grocery store is going to raise the price of cigarettes or of beer or of condiments or of 7-Up, whatever they're selling. And the people of California, when they go into that grocery store and they buy that 7-Up, they're going to pay more. And so the people of California are going to be taxed. This is the... This is what's not being taught to the Generation Z and the Malays. It was not taught. And it's not being taught to this next generation. Is how this whole notion of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden coming out and saying, we're going to tax the rich. We're going to make them pay their fair share. Anytime you raise taxes in this country on any sector is a tax on everybody. I believe it's immoral. Certainly the income tax is immoral. Taxes in general are immoral. I know we have to function a government and fund a government somehow. But I am dead against the 16th Amendment. I believe income taxes are immoral. I believe that a consumption tax is probably the best and only form of tax that I would accept because a consumption tax taxes you on an action that you choose to do, and if you don't choose to do it, you don't pay the tax. But the bottom line is, if Prop 13, that chunk of Prop 13 is repealed, it's going to spiral up the cost of doing business and the cost of living in California, but it's also going to kill the real estate, that side of the real estate market, right? It's going to become one of these situations where only the very, very wealthy can own 
commercial property and afford to own it and then lease it out. And then only those with means can even afford the leases. And so if that side of Prop 13 is repealed, everybody in California gets taxed. And anybody who visits California gets taxed. This is what we need to teach the millennials and the Generation Zs. When Harris and Biden go out and say raise taxes on the wealthy, have them pay their fair share, no, you're paying the taxes. You're going to be stuck with the taxes because those taxes are going to be passed along to you. And this is where we have failed. As, as our older generation on this younger generation, we haven't clearly explained this to these younger voters. Yeah, I don't even know if people in their 30s and 40s uh, understand this. But, but in California, how many millennials and how many Generation Z voters even know what Prop 13 is? It doesn't affect them. So they're not going to care. They're not going to be engaged. But they should for their own good or for their parents' own good. But they're in this little bubble that schools and parents have created for the Generation Zs and the Millennials. This little bubble. You know, it's like this bubble they created in Orlando for the NBA. What a joke. What an absolute joke. Professional sports at any level is built upon a live audience. It's not built upon a television audience. And I hope and pray that most Americans are rejecting all of it. And remembering why professional sports exist. It's not, it does not exist for television and because of television. It exists because of me. Sitting in the stands as a 13-year-old at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, freezing my rear end off in August, watching a terrible team play, but I sat there. I sat there and I watched the Giants in the 70s and their terrible team. 1971 was a great team, but they had, they had Willie Mays. They had Willie McCovey. They had Juan Marichal. They had Gaylord Perry. They had George Foster. They had Bobby Bonds, Tito Fuentes, Chris Spire. They had a wonderful team, 1971, and then that was it. So... The other years in the 70s were terrible. But professional sports is built upon being there and a live audience. And this nonsense of trying to play before empty seats should be rejected by the American people. So this is the challenge. You can have Harris and Biden out there pandering as much as they want. Let's hear more. Roll tape. And your willingness to step up for our country, the voices of young people, the largest potential voting block in history. See, there's the stop tape. There's the um, there's the rub, right? The largest potential voting block in history, the largest potential. So they, you know, Harris and Biden, boy, they see that potential. But you millennials and you Generation Zs. We got to get you out of the streets. See, she's saying we support you. We support what you're doing. We support the support of Black Lives Matter. We want you to be engaged. But, but we need you to be able to put down your cell phones just for a couple of minutes. All right. Maybe put down your Apple computers 
Stop Snapchatting just for a minute or two and go down to this thing called a mailbox. You may have seen it. It's about the size of a bread box. Oh, we don't know what that is. Sorry, that's a lost generation. It's uh, That's a term that boys dating me. It's about the size of a couple of shoe boxes. Do those still exist for young people? I don't know. I think they do. I think they do. Let's stipulate that the shoe boxes still exist. It's about the size of an oversized shoe box, maybe a couple of shoe boxes together. And sometimes it has this little red thing on it that flips up and down. That's a mailbox. And so what we need you to do, Harris and Biden are saying, is we need you to put down your phones just for a minute and go to your mailbox and pull out those three or four or five ballots that have been sent to you and these other people that used to live at that location. Open all of them up and vote. Don't worry about anything else on that ballot. Just Fill in the little thing, you know, like when you did your SATs, which are now canceled, apparently. Apparently, they don't do SATs anymore. I don't know what's going on with that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Just like you used to do with your SATs or those national tests they used to give. I don't know if they do that anymore because I'm sure they're demeaning in some way. You take your number two pencil and you fill in the little dot right next to our names. It'll say Joe Biden and Kamala Harris president of the united states so we need you to go to these little shoe boxes open it up pull out these multiple ballots open them all up fill out this little dot where it says biden and harris seal it up and there's going to be a self-addressed envelope on there with a stamp on it don't worry about having to even do that you're not even gonna have to lick it (laughs) just close it up you don't have to worry about stamps they probably don't know what stamps are what's a stamp What's a stamp to a millennial? If you don't know about mail and you're not doing mail, how in the wide world of sports are you going to know what a stamp is? <laughs> so they need they need this. They need to engage the millennials. They need to get them off the streets and they need to get them out of their Netflix homes and put their phones down and vote. And vote early and vote often. Oh yeah. You know, it's so funny when you hear these Radical Democrat politicians saying vote early. Barack Obama said it the other day. We need you to vote early. Here's a guy from Chicago saying vote early. Well, the rest of that sentence is, Mr. Daly, vote often. And when you're dealing with mail-in ballots, the president of the United States is 100% dead on target. In Los Angeles County alone, there's over a million people on the rolls who are not people. At least not in California anymore. They're dead. Uh, They've left the state. They've left the country. Whatever. They shouldn't. A million plus people shouldn't be on the voter rolls. Yet, what's going to happen in California? All of those people who shouldn't be on the rolls, all of those dead people, all those names that should have been removed are going to get ballots. Where are those ballots going to be sent? To the old addresses. Who's living there now? Odds are a Democrat. In California, odds are a Democrat. You wonder why we have an electoral system and why we want to keep it? California is the glaring reason why. And I feel for these congressional, Republican congressional candidates in California who are going to be sitting there on pens and needles, not on election night, hell with that, uh, not even on November 4th, 
November 5th, maybe they'll start getting an idea. 6th, November 7th, judge rules. A couple weeks later, you know, maybe, maybe by Christmas we'll have the outcomes of a lot of these congressional races in California. But be ready for it. I'm warning you. Be ready for it. This is going to be absolute electoral mayhem. And it's going to be litigated. The third branch of government has no role whatsoever in our electoral process, but it's going to be front and center, just like Al Gore made it front and center uh, in the year 2000. I had an entire program lined up here um, talking about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I got distracted talking about the, the stoned and stupid Joe Biden and his problem. And the Democrat Party is worried about it, by the way. And that is that he's not getting out and campaigning like the president of the United States is. Think about it. You go to a, a grocery store. How, how are you able to go shopping at the grocery store? Or you go to Costco and you're pumping gas and then maybe you go in and you run in and you buy um, some hummus. Or you buy some frozen shrimp. I'm giving you my list. I have to go to Costco. So I'm going to get some hummus, some frozen shrimp. Uh, a coffee, I get the coffee at, uh, and then maybe some alcohol and I get out of there. I try and go into Costco with blinders on because I have a Y chromosome and we don't do well in uh, settings like that. You know, women have radar and they're able to hone in over here, hone in over there, hone in. Over there. Men were like, ah, it's too much stuff. <laughs> so I have the blinders. I get my shrimp and my coffee and I get the hell out of there. Um, but uh, so the point is, is these people are working, right? And they may scream at me to put on my mask, uh, whatever. But they're working. And so are the people at gas stations, Costco gas station. So are the people at Walmart. So are the people at these various grocery stores that you shop in. But Biden, he's not leaving. He's not going to work. Yeah, he's hunkering down. He's doing Zoom. But he's not campaigning. And the Democrat Party is worried about this, that they're going to see that the voters are going to see, hey, President Trump robust, giving speeches. Wonderful thing about the Republican convention at the White House. There was an audience. I said, hallelujah, hallelujah, an audience, not six feet apart and no mask. Yes, yes, in your face. Cuomo, in your face, Newsom, in your face, Pritzker, in your face, Fauci. I loved it. And we need to see more of it. And that's America. We didn't cower in a corner on December 8th, 1941, did we? Hell no. As John Belushi said when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Hell no. We're Americans, and we stood up to tyranny, and we should damn it well stand up to a virus. And so, they're worried. And I think Kamala is probably worried that Joe's not getting out, and it sends a message that he's feeble, which he is. And they're terribly worried about it. The other part of the message is the Republican message, which is the Trump message, and that is we had a—it's very simple— what should President Trump run? This is the COVID election. And the, the president needs to embrace that. I've said it before. And needs to come out like the compassionate person that he is and can be. But if there was an elevator pitch, it was what Larry Kudlow delivered uh, during the Republican convention. Let me play just a little bit of this. Roll tape. It was 
was a roaring success. Inheriting a stagnant economy on the front end of recession, the program of tax cuts, historic rollback of onerous regulations that crippled small business, unleashing energy to become the world's number one producer, and free, fair, and reciprocal trade deals to bolster manufacturing, agriculture, technology, and other sectors. Stop tape. Okay, so what Larry is saying effectively is, hey, listen, we lowered taxes, we got government off the backs of the American people, and the economy boomed. And please don't let these Democrats say it was booming and that, that Trump inherited this economy. Nonsense. The average GDP under Barack Obama was less than 2%. It was, by my calculation, it was about 1.5%. We were looking at 3 and even 4% until the Democrat conspiracy, the Schumer, Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, Pritzker, Cuomo conspiracy to shut down the American economy. And so this needs to be the message. And it's a stark one. And I think even the millennials, I think... Even the millennials and the Generation Zs can understand uh, this contrast. And it's simple. We had a vibrant economy, and President Trump wants to take us back to it. He, he had us there, he wants to take us back to it. Joe Biden and company want to tax their way into prosperity. And it's been said before, I'll say it again, no country in the history of the planet has taxed its way into prosperity. And so this is the stark message. And by the way, the ledger register this week uh, goes to the issue that the Democrats are worried about with Joe Biden. And that is, should President Trump hold in-person campaign rallies? I, I will answer it right now. I think yes. Especially after what we've seen at the GOP convention out there in the Rose Garden and, and what have you, and the, and, and the audience, the live audience. And then we've seen these pres- the president make these stops at the hangars with Air Force One behind him. Keep doing it. Absolutely keep doing it because this is what we are as Americans. We don't cower. We get out there and take the bull by the horns and we address things. We don't run away from things like so many governors have forced millions, tens of millions of Americans to do to run away and hide from the Wuhan coronavirus. This is the thing that disgusts me the most about this government response to the Wuhan coronavirus, cowering in our homes. It is un-American. Absolutely un-American. And so this is the message that we need to send to these young people as well. As we try and detox and educate the stoned and stupid in our society. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way. The Archives of the Library of Congress, thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I am wrong, I'm right.